Hey, DJ Fluck here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. Today on the show, we are hosting our World Cup Roundtable. We have the leading experts from the Stadium Scene TV network giving their opinion on the state of the tournament to their favorite storylines and predictions for who is going to win. We've never had this many people in the studio before at one time, so hopefully the fire marshal doesn't get mad. Let's get started. Live from a makeshift recording studio, somewhere in the middle of the desert, this is the Stadium Scene Podcast. With your hosts... DJ Flug. I suck at trivia and I suck at telling jokes. Kay Thompson. The Jackman, which is just the most awesome name. And Jillian Fisher. No, that was just because I'm crazy as hell. <laughs> You're listening to the Stadium Scene Podcast. promising you for a month a World Cup roundtable and we're coming up into the last uh, less than two weeks before the World Cup starts so we're gonna go ahead and do that right now uh, Kate is missing I don't know where she is I think she's in Georgia but I don't know why so um, <laughs> Jillian is here and I'm gonna just throw it over to her because she's Yay! speaking of the World Cup uh, you've got a special <laughs> little uh, little gig lined up for the next couple weeks I do it's kind of exciting I uh I am working with Fox Sports to do some World Cup, we'll call it analysis, but it's more just, you know, telling the stories about the World Cup and getting fans engaged. Since we know that the United States isn't in it, um, and maybe not everyone who in the United States knows that because it's, you know, not the most popular sport here, even though I think it should be. Um, so just working with them and kind of engaging with fans to talk about the World Cup. What are some of the exciting stories? Um, not harping on the fact that some big teams are missing, not just the United States. And like, what can you get behind? And just kind of enjoying the drama that is the FIFA World Cup. Awesome. So we, uh, you put out your first video today. We shared it across mm -hmm. our pages. So go check mm -hmm. that out. Uh, so yeah. our panel here. And fill out your bracket. Fill out your bracket. <laughs> so I... Uh, I'm very anti-bracket. I don't. I don't even fill out NCAA brackets anymore. I'm that like. I don't. Blasphemy. Yeah, I, I know. It's it's insane that I get away with what I do. Uh, so our uh, distinguished panel here with us today is members of our our Stadium Scene TV network. So we brought in the the soccer experts on uh, on fairly short notice. So we're gonna have a little bit of a discussion here. So first, let's let's introduce our guests. Our first guest has been on the show before. So welcome back. He's the co-host of the. Loud Americans Discussing Soccer podcast. So let's please welcome Martin Frazier. 
Yeah, welcome me. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> I can't wait to uh, talk about World Cup some more because that's all I've been doing for the past like month now at this point. So I'm pumped to do this. We've been watching your social media feed of, of like borderline slipping into depression since the the Premier League season was over, and then after the Champions League. So it's I bet you're looking to uh, to get going again. Yeah, borderline is an understatement. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> lads have been <laughs> super depressed. Um, because we've been watching the friendlies, but, you know, friendlies are just friendlies at the end of the day. So we want to get some real bets on the table. And what better way to start off the World Cup season than a World Cup podcast? Exactly. So our next uh, member of the panel today uh, co-hosts the Bros Talking Soccer podcast and also hosts the Soccer Tavern on YouTube going over the, uh, the history and the culture of soccer. So please welcome Dave Knittel. Yeah, hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, DJ. Really excited to uh, talk about the World Cup. Excellent. And then also here with us is his co-host and his brother, Christian. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, Dave is very professional in the way he goes about his introduction. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm just really excited to get going and uh, have a lot of a lot of stuff we got to discuss today. So the uh, the ragtag group of people here, if you know, if people have listened to this podcast before, they know we are the furthest thing from professional. So we're gonna go ahead, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and put that on record now. So let's uh, let's get started here. So we've uh, we've put together a list of topics that we think are the most uh, interesting pieces, and of course we're gonna get to the you know, who's gonna win it, who's gonna choke, and we'll get to that at the very end. But let's let's talk about coming in there's always some kind of storyline and it's pretty clear the biggest storyline going into the world cup is more about the teams that missed it than uh at least in this country but outside (laughs) of that let's start with martin what do you think is the biggest storyline in your opinion uh on this year's world cup coming into it i think uh one of the biggest storylines is definitely the amount of young kids in the world cup uh, you have uh, kids all over the world. You've got Mbappe on France. You've got um, Ashwa on, on uh, Saudi Arabia. And then you have uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. You've got Rashford. And it's just going to be a huge proving ground for these kids to show that they mean business. Um, for the kids that are still on the smaller teams, the developmental teams, it's going to be a chance for them to show what they can fucking do for their country. And, I mean, we saw this last year. Um, James Rodriguez went right to Real Madrid after a stellar showing in the World Cup. So I'm excited to see what type of panic buys, I guess you could say, that uh, teams make after this World Cup, after we see what everyone is capable of for a month. Because I know for a fact Real Madrid is going to buy at least four to five 16-year-olds after this. And uh, Barcelona will probably buy seven to eight. So I'm excited to see the kids play. So let's move on, Dave. What what uh what's your point on? Yeah, so for me, I, I'm looking for if France or Belgium can take advantage of these supremely talented rosters and kind of get over that hump. We've been hearing about the these two teams have these ridiculously talented rosters, but they haven't won anything. And so for me, what I'm going to be looking for is seeing if either of them can kind of uh, make it to the to the final and, and get a trophy. So I guess while we're sticking with the the brothers, uh, Christian. All right. Uh, the biggest story for me isn't the team specifically. Mine is VAR. It's going to be interesting to see mm. how they introduce that into the World Cup. And it's on the biggest stage of all. Can they get it right this time around? 
Yeah, and that's that's an excellent point. I mean, it's the the whole VAR system is very controversial. I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying this. Um, you, know, you, you look at some of the the leagues around the world that have already gone into this like you know major league soccer has as a variation of it and frankly you know watching it on a sunday the, the competition's already weak and that's that's for a different show martin will probably just nodding his head right now like, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but, but we i watched a game where they had var on a you know it was a foul on a goal potentially and it took them almost 10 minutes to figure out you know what if it was a foul or not, it's, you know, it's just, if, if they're doing that during the world cup, that's just, it's, it's going to be bad in, in my, the world cup is about atmosphere and that's going to kill the atmosphere. All those breaks in the play. I don't like to see that, but I still think that they need to introduce it. They just need to do it the right way to get everything right. And... Yeah. And I'm going to jump in here real quick because like DJ said, I cannot fucking stand VAR. Um, and we saw just how badly it can go in the FA Cup this year. We saw in the Bundesliga this year how bad it is. So it continues to shock me that FIFA decided to put an unfinished product on the biggest stage in the world, uh, a tournament that happens every four years and that is probably the most watched tournament ever or uh, in, in the world. And they put an unfinished product that is very controversial into the limelight. So I really don't think VAR has a chance of succeeding or convincing people that it is actually good. And that's yeah, my biggest thing is that like it's not – the kinks are nowhere near worked out. I do think – I might be in the minority here, but I, I see the value in VAR. I see that especially in big games and when you're thinking about the World Cup final – but that said, you should not be putting it out there when it continuously causes problems. I think if they got the kinks out, great, but it's just too much on the line. You can't be having these long, long reviews. It's just it's too much. And, you know, using the NFL or Major League Baseball as an example, it it with this, if you can't figure it out in the first 10, 15 seconds of seeing a play, you got to mm -hmm. let it go. Mm -hmm. You can't just stand there and stare at it. If you're staring at it, it's like you're not going to come to a conclusive, you know, a conclusive answer one way or another. You just got to just drop it and go on with your life. Mm -hmm. So finally, let's let's spin it over to Jillian. What do you got for us? Yeah. Uh, well, they covered all some pretty important storylines. So I'm going to go with something that I think for like a casual fan. Um, and that's, to me, and it's a, a story, as you know, I love, which is Iceland. It's just such a, they captured our hearts in 2016, uh, soccer fans' hearts, in the world, I think, there. And I just, I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> I hear the microphone. Um, and I, I, I was a fool, and I put them going really far because I just love their story, and I don't really think they're going to go that far. But uh, I just think for a casual fan, a USA fan who tunes in is like, what the crap, you mean USA isn't in this? That's a team that I think they can get excited about. Um, you know, they have the same colors, so <laughs> it's a benefit. And in America, we love a good underdog. So you can't get more underdog, I think, than Iceland, you know, being the smallest nation, first time ever qualifying. Um, that's just, it's really, and they have amazing fans, so. My, my favorite joke since the emergence of Iceland um, in, in the soccer world is, you know, this is the most uh, attention on Iceland sports since the Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> they're the good guys 
guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't agree with any of y'all right now. I'm an England fan before I'm a uh, USA fan. So when yeah, they did that subject. to England, yeah. So I've just been staring at a wall right now, angrily sipping my beer. <laughs> Listen, you can't blame Iceland for England there. I can, and I will. All right, so you know, I'm I'm just gonna throw in my two cents here. Honestly, I think my my biggest story coming in is how does Brazil bounce back? They had a colossal embarrassment against Germany in 2014. You know, they lost Neymar to injury up up until that. They're in their home country. You have people crying their eyes out around, you know, Rio as they're getting just curb stomped by Germany. And, I mean, I don't know if there's been ever, you know, a more embarrassing exit for a host nation in a World Cup ever. Um and we're still talking about it to this day, but you know, with a with a healthy Neymar, we think a healthy Neymar. How does how does Brazil do? Do they bounce back, or you know, where do we go? Yeah, the Brazil squad is definitely deeper this time around. They're going to definitely bounce back. But we need to remember they made the semifinals four years ago. It's not like they were bounced out in the round of sixteen. No. They still made it pretty <laughs> they, far. But with that bad but, of a loss, I, it's yeah, hard to like that bad of a loss than it was in, at home. In your but, home country, you got everybody looking at you. The global stage. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not where they they finished up. It's how they finished up. Yeah. But the, I think <laughs> they should bounce back. I do. I don't think it's like even a bounce back. Honestly, I think it was just like one really crappy game and. I, like you were saying, that they're just a deep squad, and I, a lot of people are excited about them. Like a lot of Brazilian um, Brazilians I know or follow are really excited about this Brazil team. Yeah, and just yeah. to echo that and uh, give a shout out to to our other brother who isn't with us. A uh, point he brings up from that game is Thiago Silva also wasn't involved in that game, and you had. Uh, David Luiz running around with his head cut <laughs> off, uh, just exposing the back line. And so that um, that played a big role into that mm-hmm. loss, too. I really think it was just kind of like a one-off, just like everything mm-hmm. that could have gone wrong went wrong. And so I, I think you'll definitely see them bounce back this tournament. I actually, uh, I swear I am a nice person in real life, but I actually love <laughs> hating. <laughs> I love hating Brazil. Oh, so I genuinely don't see them bouncing back at all. I think that they play some amazing soccer. They play some like Liverpool-esque soccer where it's just so, so fun to watch. Oh, so they're going to win. No, they're going <laughs> to lose. They're going to lose in the big game against Germany in the semifinal again. Yeah. Calling it right now. Be embarrassed, but this time in Russia. Okay, Martin calling it Germany stomps Brazil again. Frankly, I also learned on every podcast. Germany ever, Brazil like, means neither or one of them doesn't win their group. How's that going to happen? I actually have <laughs> Germany. Wait, I cannot remember my bracket right now because I love brackets. Um, <laughs> so, how many brackets did you do? Is the question. <laughs> 14. Um, different types of brackets. But yeah. I actually have Brazil losing to Belgium in the quarterfinals. Oh, wow. wow. Big. There you go. He said it here first. All right. So moving on to topic number two. So the major absences this year include Italy, which that's oof, the Netherlands, <laughs> who got to the semis as well last in last time around, and uh, and the United States, which is that was just flat out embarrassing. 
What kind of an impact do you think this will have on the tournament? And mainly, how do you see that as an impact from viewership in the uh, in the U.S.? So we'll start with Jillian because I know you've been stewing for weeks on this topic. <laughs> I stew on everything. Um, <laughs> for viewership in the U.S., again, I think a lot of fans are going to turn it on. And I shouldn't say fans. A lot of casual viewers are going to turn it on and be looking for the USA game and be like, what the crap happened? Like, how... Where is the USA? Like, they're not going to know. Like, again, today I was at the gym and talking to a couple of guys at the gym. They're like, what can, what, who, how do you think USA is going to do? I'm like, well, they're not going to do too well because they're not in it. Um, so that's going to be a shock for people. So obviously it'll have an impact. You know, in the United States, we love to really be proud of our teams on national stages. Like, we get super patriotic, overly patriotic. Um, so that'll definitely impact it. But people are going to be talking about it. We don't want to be out of the world's conversation and there's great soccer that gets played and great moments that happen. And I forget who I was listening. It was a men in blazers, but I forget who said it on the men in blazers, but he was like, Americans love this show. They love the drama. They love, you know, you don't, you don't have to be excited about a specific team. It's just a, it's a month long telenovela is what it is. And we want to be a part of that conversation. So people will tune in just so they can be a part of the cooler talk. Um, whether they're as avid as a follower as they would be, whether they might just watch it on, you know, the Fox sports app and just catch the updates on it um, instead of sitting down and actively watching a game, but it should be interesting to see. I still think we'll tune in, but just not as actively. Yeah, Jillian, I actually wanted to ask you a question because I know DJ brought up uh, what you're doing this summer with Fox Sports and uh, mm -hmm. covering uh, a bunch of um, a bunch of the events. And I know Fox kind of had kind of bought the uh, broadcasting rights yeah. for this tournament yeah. before USA got kicked <laughs> yeah. out. So yeah. I imagine there's a bunch of fucking angry people over at Fox right now. <laughs> but I I really don't see like the like the more like uh, I'm gonna. I'm from North Carolina, so I can say this. The idiot rednecks out there just casually turning on a uh, a soccer game just to have it in their background. Like, they'll watch NASCAR over soccer mm -hmm. or something like that. But if the USA's in it, I just feel like those NASCAR fans will be like, Oh, USA, let's go! Hoorah! Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> how much do you think is just going to be lost based on the fact that USA's not in it? And there's a lot of people in the United States who just really could care less about soccer. Yeah, um, it's definitely a tough point because you, you don't expect the USA to not make it. You know, the, mm -hmm. there was just like one scenario where they wouldn't make it in the last game and that one horrible scenario happened. <laughs> um, so it's definitely, I mean, you definitely don't get that super casual viewer, I think. And again, consumption of sports has changed. It's not just on television. So they're trying to make sure that people are tuning in and catching the highlights and just getting those views elsewhere as well. And it sucks right now, but in the long term with that deal they got, as long as the USA makes the World Cup in the next cycle, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sh there should be a nice bounce back. It definitely sucks. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Like, you're definitely going to lose viewership. It felt like soccer in America was really on this great high. They beat the group of death last cycle. They, you know, it was just this amazing story. And I was so looking forward to seeing that hopefully additional growth. Um, so it just feels like it's kind of stalled, but I, it sucks that you definitely lose that cat, like that ultra casual viewer who would turn it on just at like, you know, you have a baseball game while playing on the background. Nobody's going to really be doing that. 
But again, we like to be a part of the conversation. We want to be a part of like the cooler talk. So I definitely think that helps it. It's just not not going to be the same as if the USA was in it. So if I remember right, the last time the U.S. missed the World Cup was what eighty six? Is that right? It was before I was born. Yep. Before I was born. So yeah, it was eighty six. So yeah, I was I was one year old when the last time the U.S. missed it. So. <laughs> Uh, it's, so you I, know what people are going through right I, now. I don't, <laughs> you felt this yeah, before. Yeah, it's like I, I have no clue. I'm like, this is just new grounds to me. I mean, really, the first World Cup I really remember or care about was 94, and that's, you know, that's for me, that's what got it going. And, and just to not have that and this, you know, this generation of six, seven, eight-year-olds whose parents are getting them into soccer, they just they don't have that excitement to fall back on this time around, and it's just – you know, it's 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 crazy to me. It's just I you know with a country this big with this much money, how do you how do you screw that up? Well, there yeah, was the an one. Interesting... Go ahead. Oh, so I know I was going to say on that point, the one positive we do have on that front is soccer's on TV here so much more than it used to be in the past. Like yes. you can watch almost any league. So there's at least a slight positive on on that. You can turn on the Champions League or you can turn on MLS or whatever, you know, level you want to go to or you can go to games in person. Like the the lower divisions and MLS and everybody's expanding with the exception of NASL. So so there's at least a little bit of a positive for um, you know, those those young players. It's not like they're just going to miss all soccer altogether. Sorry, Jillian, I interrupted you. What oh, no, you? no, no. <laughs> Along those lines, too, it's just that even though it seems like in America, I think the last cycle they said it was 20% of Americans said they were interested or cared about it. And when you compare 20% to the size of other countries and you think about how large America is, 20% is about the size of the population of Germany or France. So that is, when you think about it, that is a, a very large amount comparatively to other countries. And it just... If we could get it up to like 40%, oh, God, it would be so exciting. And that's what bums me out most about this is that I think we were getting close to a tipping point where you could get closer to that 30% or even 40%. And just to not have them in there, it just kind of like, meh, we're going to stay at 20. That's what frustrates me about this. Yeah, and that's kind of the story of American soccer, as <laughs> as unfortunate as it is. Like, I don't know if anybody's listened to the, the new podcast from uh, – uh, Raj Bennett about American fiasco, it's called, but uh, he's detailing what was going on in the 98 World Cup. And basically the U.S. had all this positive momentum and then they just imploded so hard and basically had, a, you know, the sport basically had to start over. And then we had the great growth in 2002 and then 2006, they did terrible. And, you know, 2010 and 2014, we have all this momentum and then it all comes crashing down. It's just like this same story just keeps playing out and we're growing slowly. But yeah, I, I agree. This could have been such a tipping point and it's really unfortunate that it's not happening. Yeah, I think the one uh, bright spot there, the one silver lining is at least we're consistent. Um, you know, nobody talks about that. We're consistently really good and really shit. So, you know, at least we know we're going to get better after this. That's, that's the thing I'm holding on to. I don't know if we're ever really good. (laughs) (laughs) Stop telling the truth. Like, I would love to believe that like this helped, like this disaster helped propel like as a soccer fan in America, like really wanting to see the USA become a better team. I kept telling myself that this this embarrassment would be the thing that finally broke us. And I know it isn't, but I'm just going to keep holding on to that because the World <laughs> Cup is coming up and I'm really sad still. So I'm going to keep telling myself that if they would have made it, they would have embarrassed us in the group stage and it would have been horrible. So we're just going to believe that this helped somehow. 
<laughs> I know that the 98 World Cup was, was mentioned a few minutes ago, and just my, my favorite part of that whole thing was, you know, you had Alexi Lawless who, who built up his reputation in 94. He got the, uh, the Viking and 98. He's on the roster again, closing out his international career. He didn't come off the bench once during the 98 World Cup. And right after the World Cup ended, um, I want to say he was on, on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And he said, what, what exactly were you doing? And he goes, oh, well, I've got footage of what I was doing the entire time. And so they cut to this clip, and it's him sitting in front of a green screen of a soccer field in the background. And he's sitting on a bench, and, like, one minute he's, like, building a model car. And the next <laughs> he's sitting on a pool deck chair with one of those reflective mirrors tanning. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and that's, uh... that's how his international career ended, which is unfortunate, but. I wish his broadcasting career would end. (laughs) (laughs) Got a little warm in here. (laughs) Let's go ahead, Christian. You got. uh, I'm sure you have something else to mention. What's your uh, effect on the on the tournament with the U.S., Italy, Netherlands missing out? We're gonna miss them. Uh, Obviously, we're gonna miss the United States when they didn't make it. Was one of the worst moments of my life. I laid my head onto the bar for about. Hour and random strangers kept coming up and asking if I was okay. So it was that kind of a day. You're so uh, dramatic. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. You weren't there. Okay, so I believe um, it. <laughs> so uh, I think, honestly, from my perspective, I think I'm going to enjoy the World Cup without the pressure of the U.S. being in it. You can actually enjoy it without having any real fandom or ties to any team. And I've always actually wanted to watch soccer that way. I always have some type of stake in it and it's going to be nice, but from a uh, viewership standpoint, it's going to really set us back. I think just from natural following of soccer, watching those games four years ago in a bar when it was the first time I was 21 to watch a game. It was so much fun. You just like, everyone is so unified. Everyone's watching this. Everyone's really just living the moment. And we're not going to really have that now. It's going to be segmented. People are going to still be watching, but it's not going to have that passion and that feel like that generates only when I really watch soccer. I know in other sports is is great passion for the game as well, but watching soccer just is different. And it's when it's the U S it's everyone is there together. We're not going to have that. And to wait another four years, it's really going to hurt this generation of players and fans just watching. Yeah, that's that's well said. One one thing I have uh, on this topic before I know we're we're probably running long, but something that I wanted to bring up just to watch out for, um, the U.S. just changed some of their gambling laws, and I know New Jersey's pretty aggressively. Um, you know, looking to pass legislation and possibly some other places. So you're going to have legalized gambling. And so that may tick up viewership and it may tick up engagement. And so that whole kind of thing going on is going to be interesting to watch to see if it's going to have any implications so that that's another thing that you know i'm going to be interested in following to see if you know i don't know there's any impact from that kind of to piggyback on that um a lot of my friends are idiots and love to bet (laughs) and um so do i and last world cup and basically every big soccer game like the champions league final the fa cup final um the euros last year all my friends come out of the woodwork and just try and make bets. And then they watch the soccer game. And I didn't even think of that until uh, Dave brought that up. So I think the whole gambling outlook is a really positive sign for those casual fans 
to be like, all right, let's put some money on this team. And then they're invested into the team. They're invested into the game. And if they keep that up the entire World Cup, I mean, shit, we might get a whole lot of uh, Germany fans, Brazil fans, England fans living in the United States because of those gambling laws. Do you really think that many more people are going to watch now because of betting? I feel like everyone who was going to bet was already doing it anyway. Potentially. I mean, I don't know. So you don't know until it happens. And so with it being legalized, I don't know if there's going to be any impact, but it's just something, you know, to follow. I feel like the marketing people at all those companies are working their asses off. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because sure. <laughs> it's such a huge opportunity for them. So depend if they have really good marketing, hell yeah, people are going to tune in. They're going to pop up in your newsfeed and you're gonna be like, huh, I can win some money. Mm-hmm. My, my brother is a prime example. I guarantee you. If he gets an ad, he's clicking that. <laughs> <laughs> it's only, and it's only a matter of time before all the MLS clubs are start going you know, to start wearing gambling logos on their on the front of their kids. So, I was hoping that that part of it, I'm, you know, that that part always is kind of bothering me with the Premier League. That you know, it seems like half the teams every year have gambling, you know, Chinese gambling companies as their primary sponsor, and it's just like, ugh. But whatever, money is money. You take it where you get it. <laughs> so. All right, since we've beaten that topic up, let's move on and (laughs) hit a little bit more rapid fire. So let's go ahead and talk a group stage match you're most interested. So let's start with Dave this time. Yeah, so I don't want to take any of the the big ones. So I'm actually going to go Morocco-Portugal. So I've been hearing the great things about this Morocco team. Uh, I know Christian's laughing because on, <laughs> on our podcast, I was hyping them up. I have not seen them at all. But I, from what I've read and from uh, heard on other podcasts, uh, I, I'm really excited about the way that they're going to play. They seem to be really attacking. And I have them coming out of the group ahead of Portugal. So that's obviously going to be a critical match there. And so for me, I'm really looking forward to seeing if Morocco can kind of play the way I envision in my head and and kind of get out of their group stage. So so that's the match I'm going to be looking out for. All right, Christian, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say, you know, Russia versus Saudi Arabia. No, I'm going <laughs> to go with a real game. Um, so he literally I, just I picked the first up. match on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, I got to go with. Uh, Belgium and England. I think that being the last game, last day it's being played in the last round of the group stage, it's going to be a thriller for who gets that top spot. I can't imagine either of those other two teams getting in one of the top two spots. So that is the one I'm going to highlight to look out for. And Martin. Um, I'm actually going to go with uh, Germany and Mexico. I, for whatever reason, love watching Mexico play Germany. They played in a couple friendlies uh, this past year. And it's a complete, it's two completely different style of soccer. And whenever they go up against each other, it's always dirty. It's always rough. And it's always, it always creates some fun, fun soccer to watch. So I can't wait for that game. Uh, And Jillian. Uh, I'm going to go with Spain, Portugal. Uh, I like to go with the storylines that people... I'm all about like the casual fan trying to get just fun. You know, you think about the World Cup, you think about the world stage, and that's kind of what it comes down to, like these intense rivalries or neighbors, like it'd be like a USA, Mexico, maybe not as intense, but it's a great, if you're a casual fan or if you're somebody who's not really sure what to look out for, I would say that's a great one. People are going to be talking a lot about it. They're going to be hyping that, that rivalry up. It's that proximity factor. So take a look at that one. Is that a rivalry? Like, just because they're bordering countries, does Spain yeah. want to build, yeah. like, a wall against uh, Portugal? I, 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 live in, 
I lived in Spain, and the way that they would say it is like, so the rest of the countries in Europe will look down upon Spain, and then Spain looks down upon Portugal. So <laughs> that's so cool. Oh. Yes. So that's a good one. That's and that's probably why I pick it too, because like I I lived there, so I kind of know about that little bit of that. Uh, Spain's got a chip on their shoulder and Portugal's got a chip on their shoulder. They're both kind of like, the rest of Europe looks down on us. You're like, okay, well, let's hate each other and find out who gets to suck the least. <laughs> so I'm going to close out this uh, this round with, I, I actually have two. One is my not-so-serious and the other is my, my serious pick. And my not-so-serious is, we were talking before we went on the air, my choice for my not-so-serious is England versus Tunisia. And you're like, why the <laughs> hell would you pick that? It's very simple because my dad is actually going to London on a business trip, and, and he's going to be there while uh, England is playing Tunisia. He says he's going to go to a bar. And I want to see Tunisia win that game so there are riots, and then I can see pictures and video of my dad trashing the streets of London. <laughs> so that's my, my selfish pick. And honestly, I think the, a more interesting one that's not getting talked about is Argentina versus Iceland. And, you know, Iceland is kind of coming up with that hype after their, their – their uh, you know exposure to the world in the Euros, and you know Argentina's Argentina. You know they're the runner-up from the last time around. So, it'd be interesting to see how far along is Iceland. Can they can they hang out with with a big boy you know right away on on match day one? So, I'm uh, I'm actually looking forward to that one. So mo- moving on, our next round. Let's talk about some disappointments. <laughs> Who? is going to be your biggest disappointment from a country standpoint and biggest disappointment from a player standpoint. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start with Dave. Uh, me again. So my, my biggest disappointment from a country is going to be Portugal. Um, kind of touched on it in our last segment. I think their defense is old. Uh, players just aren't that great. I know they made the, the finals of the Euros, and that definitely counts for something, but um, they did it in somewhat unconvincing fashion. So I expect them to go out in the group stage as a big disappointment. And a player uh, breaks my heart to say this, being a Liverpool fan, but I think Mo Salah is going to be a disappointment just from the standpoint of there are so unrealistic expectations of him coming into this tournament and Egypt is nowhere near as talented as Liverpool and so just from the standpoint of these unrealistic expectations I think he can't possibly live up to them so unfortunately he's going to be my uh, disappointing player so let's stick with the uh, the Liverpool fans Christian what do you think well I'm not going to agree with Dave on that one he's not a real fan <laughs> uh, I'm actually going with a big shock here and I'm saying France is going to be one of the teams that gets upset in the round of 16 I'm uh, I, I think they're such a good squad, but for some reason, something isn't sitting right with me and they have been playing well recently. I just feel like they're going to have a moment in the knockout stage where they just get knocked out early. And player wise, I'm going to go with Raheem Sterling because I hate that guy and I can't <laughs> wait to watch him really be terrible again. Dude, you need to let it go. <laughs> I can't wait to watch him flop on the biggest stage. So let's uh, right. let's let's stick with the uh, the Liverpool theme and move on to Jillian. I had a feeling. Um, so <laughs> for players, I actually was thinking most a lot, partially because I think he's still going to be injured. I think he's you know again he has all of these expectations, and I just think he's not going to be at a hundred percent. And you know, part of life is just lowering your expectations. So <laughs> I think that uh, with you know he's been treating. She was like a god, essentially, in, in Egypt. So it's just, it's hard to live up to that, but especially when you're not at 100%. 
and for most disappointing um, team. So I'm going to go with Russia because I don't think they're going to get out of the group stage. And I think as a host country, not getting out of the group stage is a huge disappointment. Not that I like there's other teams, obviously, that are going to disappoint you that are some of the bigger teams. But I think in terms of they are the host country, you want to see them get through the group stage. And I don't think they're going to do that. And let's go to the uh, the good side of England over to the Manchester United <laughs> supporter, Martin. Uh, I know. Uh, we all know. We all know Manchester is the better team. We can all admit that. We're all Man City. OK, hey, watch it. <laughs> All right, so I'm actually going to – this is kind of controversial, but I'm going to start with the team. I think Argentina is going to be the biggest disappointment. Um, we've seen what their team has kind of become in the past couple months. They're kind of shambolic at this point. Uh, there's no true leadership. They've had a run of bad games, and they're notorious for bowing out at the big stage, um, whether it's the uh, Copa America or uh, the World Cup last year, last cycle. And then um, – my two, I'm actually going to say two uh, people are going to disappoint on equal levels. And I really wanted to make sure that it's uh, clear that I love one of them and hate the other. But I'm going to put both of them in the disappointment category. Both Ronaldo, both Messi, no. the goats. They're going to they're not going to be able to do anything. They're not going to be able to drag their teams through the group stages through each knockout round. And make a really great impression on the World Cup scale. Uh, we saw it last year with uh, Ronaldo. And I just don't think they're young enough and their teams are good enough this cycle to do really anything at all. And I, I was gonna, I've heard quite a few people expressing those opinions. Like they don't want to say it, but they're like, it, it's not, it's probably, it's a possibility. And they've been both been known to do it. So I don't think it's like offensive to say those things, but I just think in the soccer world, like in America, at least we've relied on just saying like Messi and Ronaldo for so long that it's like right. maybe that time is starting to wrap up. And and Fox is you know while they're trying to grasp for a uh, a, a marketing strategy, they uh, you know they've been going after the you know root for your roots, but they've also been you know going after the whole you know Messi Ronaldo rivalry <laughs> and and I you know I I feel the same way. I just I just don't see either one of them being able to carry, just like Martin said. Um, the question, though, is how does that impact both of their legacies? If, you know, if they come out of there, neither of them winning you know, the World Cup, Ronaldo not close. I, I don't – my memory's a little foggy here, but you know, Messi had his chance last time around. But how, uh, how does this impact their, their legacy? I think well, their legacies are cemented. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think this impacts them one way or another. Um, they've already won almost everything at club level. Ronaldo's got a Euros to go on top of it. Messi's made three consecutive finals. Uh, this doesn't change anything for me if they go out in the group stage or if they make the final. Um, if they if they make the final, if Argentina goes on and wins this World Cup, Messi's the greatest ever, like hands down. Um, no more argument. But beyond that, I, I don't think this really changes anything uh, on that front. I will argue that to the day I die. Um, <laughs> I'm ready for that. I have no yes. doubt about that. Either. <laughs> the only reason is because Messi is surrounded by incredible talent up front. Um, you look at the attacking options. For God's sakes, they left a Cardi at home. Messi has a team built to make it through the long haul. Portugal has Ronaldo and Ronaldo and Ronaldo. <laughs> That's it. So if Portugal advances farther than Argentina, then I think Ronaldo's the goat. No ifs, ands, or buts. 
And Argentina also has the uh, question mark of the you know the goalkeeper situation. You know, they Sergio Romero bowed out a couple uh, a couple weeks ago from a, I believe a knee injury. So I don't know who who's replacing him at this point. I guess I really Caballero maybe looked into I think him. that's probably. Oof. I think it's a young guy. I think it's a young guy with no caps is who they're going to go with. By the way, I do not think Argentina. I'm with Martin here. I think. Portugal and Argentina have bad World Cup, so I, I'm I'm not saying that I think they do go on and win it. Uh, just to throw this out there, Caballero is the goalkeeper for yeah Argentina. Yeah, and he ducked out of the way of Ericsson's shot earlier this year. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Next round is dark horse picks. So Martin, I know you've already shared with the group who who's your dark horse pick. It's England. It's finally <laughs> their year. Uh, they haven't won it since 1966. I remember that day clearly. Um, <laughs> so I think almost uh, a little bit more than 50 years later, um, they're ready to go back. And the reason I think that England can surprise a lot of people is somehow they are the second least experienced team and they are the fourth youngest team in the entire World Cup. And you know what? They of course, have all the scrutiny on them. All the media hates them for whatever reason. But these are kids at the end of the day. So genuinely, they have nothing to lose. Everyone thinks they're going to suck. So why not go out and uh, play balls to the wall and see what happens? So I could see England um, playing some really boring soccer and sneaking their way into a pretty late uh, knockout round. All right, and Jillian? Um... I'm going to go with Colombia. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, can they trust their goalie? I don't know. But I'm just, listen, I just like to make picks and make controversial picks just to get people talking sometimes. But I think maybe maybe not to win it all, but to get uh, pretty deep, I can see them making a run for it. I just don't know if you can trust um, David Ospina in goal, but I, I would I would love to I think it'd be a great um a great shock but and for me it'd probably be the the best team to me to say is my dark horse pick. I can't trust anyone named Dave. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I don't go by David. <laughs> there you go. Fact of the day, the D stands for David. So, uh speaking of David, go ahead Dave. Uh, so given um, who Martin took and who I have actually winning it all, so I'm going to say actually Uruguay um, is a dark horse here. I think they have incredible talent up front in Suarez and Cavani, and they have these combative young center midfielders who have kind of invigorated the team. And so there's someone who I think legitimately, if things fall in place, they could actually go on to win it. I'm not picking them to win it, but if you're looking for a dark horse, I'm going to say them. And Christian. I'm riding real high on Croatia over here. I think that they're going to make a run for it. And I, I have them going out in the semifinals, but I think they're a real dark horse that people should be afraid of. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go off on a complete tangent here. And I'm going to pick Russia because A, they're in Russia. Oh. B, Whoa. Vladimir Putin. I love C, you. I love you, DJ. C, this is why I love you. C, they're in the home of the KGB. So well. like you this. know some some of the refs have already been contacted and or threatened. <laughs> so if Russia makes a deep run, you can thank Vladimir Putin for that. 
<laughs> that is the first time I've heard uh, someone pick Russia on a dark horse. <laughs> so that is uh, ballsy. Trump did. Do, do, do I think they're? <laughs> do, do I think they're a good team? No, I do not. <laughs> anyway, um, and finally, who's going to win it all? So, let's go ahead, Christian. Who's going to win it all? <laughs> you guys aren't going to like it. But I have Argentina winning it all. I just honestly, Messi, when he wants to, can just dominate a game like by himself. It's insane. And I know he's getting older, but I think that this is a- another chance for him. And I have them playing Brazil in the final, and it's going to be a real, real banger there. And Dave. So I have Belgium. I don't have a ton of confidence in that pick. I just didn't want to pick one of the kind of four favorites. Uh, Belgium's supremely talented. And like we were talking, I think it was off air, but we may have been talking on air. Uh, I have no faith in Roberto Martinez. Um, <laughs> and so that's, I, I I think they're so talented and I, I kind of want them to push through, but uh, I think he might be their undoing. But I'm going with Belgium. I'm sticking with it. And, you know, we'll see what the hell happens. And Martin. Uh, I actually have France and Germany in the final with France coming out the victor. I think they are a super risky bet, but you know what? To make money, you got to spend money. I think that's the phrase. I don't know. But yeah, I think France has a ton of talent from front to back. Um, Like there's no position on that team where it's kind of iffy. The only thing that is risky is if they can play together. So I guess I'll find out if... uh, my bet is actually right in the group stages, and uh, I'll probably be wrong. You could tell that me and him are uh, rival club teams because <laughs> yeah, right. his disappointment <laughs> and his winner are exact opposites. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, and, it was meant to be, Christian. <laughs> and Jillian. Um, so I'm picking Germany to win the World Cup. I have Germany and Brazil, and I don't know. I'm looking at my bracket right now. I'm like, I don't know how I ended up with them in the final. Easy picks over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, They're really going out on a limb. <laughs> I have Iceland getting to the semifinal, but again, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Okay, so I'm like, I'm trying mind. to figure out how. Yeah, so you, my, my, my decision-making to this process is I knew I wanted Germany winning the World Cup. Mm. I do think they have it in them. Uh, back-to-back is, uh, is tough, but I think if any team's going to do it, it would be them. What do you think about Leroy Sané not being there? Me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like you said that. <laughs> Me? All right, never mind. Not you. Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm just, again, I'm also going to go out on a major limb and say Germany's going to win again. So <laughs> on that note... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go ahead and, and wrap it up today. So we're going to go ahead and you guys want to plug your your work, your social media. So Dave, Christian, you want to jump in? Sure. So we, we do a podcast. Uh, we record on Sundays called Bros Talking Soccer. Uh, me, Christian, and our other brother, Matt, who couldn't be with us today. We're just talking stories, mainly MLS, England, and then just kind of other topics from around the, the rest of the world. We don't uh, really get too detailed into tactics. It's more just kind of topical stuff. Uh, so we have a... Uh, 
a uh, website, bros talking soccer podcast.com. And then our Twitter's at BT soccer pod. And one quick other plug uh, for the soccer tavern. I do a YouTube channel where I'm making videos uh, about the history, culture, and philosophy of the beautiful game. That's my little tagline there. So uh, it's the soccer tavern on YouTube. And so right now we're doing videos about all 32 teams and their uh, national team history. So going back to, you know, the early parts of the 1900 and uh, up through, up through currently. So releasing videos there. So go check that out, please, as well. So if you've never seen a World Cup before, just go watch those videos. You'll be an expert by the end. Exactly. So, Martin. Uh, so I'm one half. I'm the uh, worst half of the Loud Americans Discussing Soccer podcast. You can find us at ladspodcast.com, and we're on Twitter at lads underscore podcast. And we uh, talk soccer. We get emotional. We bicker a lot, and we drink <laughs> beer. Uh, so if any of that sounds interesting, definitely come check us out. And uh, we actually have a really fun project coming up in July. We're traveling around the East Coast, going to a bunch of champions, uh, international Champions Cup games and uh, doing some vlogs on them. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Ooh, great point. Yes, United is coming to Phoenix this year. I am so thrilled about that. We're going to go see Club America. We're going to see what kind of crowd Club America drags in. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So, and Jillian, again, you want to plug your uh, your work? Sorry, I was muted. Um, <laughs> I, was I should just, I'm just gonna call it a day. Oh. Just gonna call it a day. I'm not going out weak here. That's not a good thing. Uh, Fisher Jillian across all platforms, and uh, go and fill out your bracket, your Fox Sports um, World Cup tournament pick'em bracket. And uh, just know that I picked Iceland to go to the semifinals or to third place game. So you can't be any worse than I am. So have fun (laughs) (laughs) and enjoy. So awesome. So thank you, everybody, for being on the show today. So one final uh, announcement before we head out. The uh, again, as you've probably seen, StadiumScene.tv and StadiumScene.com have uh, merged together and they're now just StadiumScene.tv. We are in our final steps of being able to roll out the new site. We're kind of in a little bit of a rough placeholder transition right now. Uh, We're probably about a week or two away from rolling that out. And uh, we're really thrilled with uh, how this is going to to look in the end. It's going to uh, uh, automate a lot of things on my end. And I'm not spending hours on hours uh, editing things and and trying to clean it up for the the current site. So I've been spending the last probably two months writing automation scripts, and I'm about to lose my mind. So I got to get it done. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. StadiumScene.tv at StadiumScene on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, and Stadium underscore Scene on Instagram because we still can't get the handle StadiumScene on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.